This is the Abraham's Wallet podcast. Abraham's Wallet spans the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Hi, everybody. Uh, this is Stephen. I'm, I'm with Mark, which we try to do a couple times a year, be live together. And um, we're together today uh, for good purposes, which is there's a, a big, big kind of goings on in the Abraham's Wallet world, which we want to share with you. And it's kind of part of our family building uh, dream and might impact you and your family building dream. So we thought we'd just tell a story. I'll tell you the headline up front. The, the headline is that Mark and I um, have started a business together, which is financial planning. And um, it does a lot more than a, a normal financial planner, but we'll talk about that in a minute. So I just thought we'd start with our kind of origin stories and you'll know how we got here. And uh, Mark, why don't you start telling us about I don't know about how about when we got together in Michigan is that where things start for you um maybe I mean just to back up anybody who's listened to us for very long is saying right now we know that you have a financial planning business what are you talking about news so before I dive into origin story what are you talking about? Why, why is this news a year into us having a... Well, we've planning? insinuated that you're a financial planner, and we talk about tips and, and stuff that you understand about money, but that's not really new that you understand the finance world. What's new is that we've never thrown out the gates to our listeners and said, hey, we've never talked directly about this business and said, here's what it does and why. Yep. And so this would be a nice time to hit that on the head one time and then move on. Great. And we get to hear why uh, why you get to talk about this now. Yep. But we'll get there. So you called a retreat for a group of men, what was it, three and a half years ago now? I don't know. It was a while. And the the point of that retreat was to go spend some time in Michigan. We That's were, right. We were right on the border of several states. But we were in Michigan. We spent time visiting the Amish in a town called Shipshawana, and we listened to some people who have actually appeared on Abraham's Wallet uh, give some teaching about what, uh, what we were all thinking about at the time. We talked about technology, we talked about money, we talked about uh, all sorts of things and basically running our homes. And you gave a really great exercise on that retreat that was, here is how to walk through a few steps that will end up with you having a dream life type list of yeah. goals and vision. And it was really impactful to me. And so I left that and I think I said, maybe even while we were still there, we should write a blog. That's right. Um, and you said... Well, I... I I think I said I don't want to do that, um, but that even that that exercise is illustrative of of my life, which 
for about 25 years, I've been trying to build into young men and help them grow up spiritually as disciples. And as I've gotten older, the guys I've influenced have gotten older. And so I now have experience under my belt with things like mortgages and buying investment property and starting businesses. And so when I see younger guys and, and what they're doing with their lives, um, I'm very interested in, I just think discipleship gets very granular and it's supposed to be very detailed. And so when a guy tells me, for instance, well, I'm, we're having trouble in my marriage. I always think that's not good enough. Tell me some examples. Talk out the fight to me. Let, let's hear it. So I want to get really granular so that we can get actual help. And so that's how I feel about guys when they're talking about their career path or when they're talking about whatever savings that they're doing for their future, for their children, etc. I always just want to go, just look, come on, let's put it out on the table. Let, let's, let me see your budget. Let's talk. But there's always a ceiling on what I can do. There always has been a ceiling for what I can do for somebody when it comes to actually making a difference in their finances. So that, that retreat in Michigan is a good example where we're talking about dreams. What do you, I think the thing was like, when, when your life is over, what will have, ha, what will have had to be true for you to have no regrets? So we're dreaming of what do we want to leave to our children? What do we want to have built into our children? How many disciples do we want to have made? How do I want to set up my wife if she's left behind when I die, etc.? So that kind of questioning, that's, I mean, that's, that's pretty standard for the way that I think for, for helping some, some guy put his life together. And then at some point I shrug my shoulders and I go, well, I guess you're going to have to go find a professional to help you make these things happen financially. But back to the question that you asked me, which is you were really excited. You were thinking of the connection point between the kind of soft skills and counsel, the pastoral kind of counsel that I bring to the table and your background, which is very technical money stuff. And you're thinking, well, I can fill in the blanks as far as what they should be doing with their money. And I, you know, I've led uh, Bible studies at my church that are about how people should do money. And so let's do a blog and we can put to put those things together and actually give guys some, uh, some hard and fast help with their money. And I was thinking, well, I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, I'm interested in, I like writing, but I don't, I don't want to run a blog. That's first of all, that sounds passe. Number one, I think that's over, over with nobody's reading blogs anymore. And secondly, I don't want to do the work of putting a blog together. And you said, I'll be happy to do a blog. I'll put it together. Then you just write. And you, you did that great Mickey Mouse voice that you do. And it wins me over every time. And so you put the blog together and I started writing and we had a readership of zero, but we just started doing it. That's right. And I think that even in the, that retreat, I remember thinking, I heard these guys sharing these awesome visions of, I'm going to do this and I'm going to have multi-generational properties and dot, 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 all these big dreams. And I'm thinking, well, you're not if you don't have a plan <laughs> right. to get there. Uh, and that's probably the the planning brain that I have is thinking somebody's got to help these guys or they're going to still be saying the same stuff when they're 60. Someday I'm going to. And so we started the blog and the plan was always this is going to be a blog for 10 of our buddies that might read what we have to say. 
that's what we thought was kind of the most likely outcome. Yeah, just a holding tank for, for thoughts and tips. Yeah. Uh, I had a job that I was working away at, kind of excited about what I was up to. You were busy. With I had several jobs. Multiple projects. Um, and so off we went, and we started writing. Um, and I would say that we covered some really basic stuff at the beginning. We talked about what are what are, why would there be a connection between your home and your money, like the way you run a family and the things you do inside home and your financial life. We talked about that. We talked about uh, debt. We talked about budgeting. Um, and so... And that the Bible isn't coy about these subjects. I mean, one of the things that has always stood out to me is that um, church world is very hush-hush about these topics. You, 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 go to, you go to church and nobody's pulling out their net worth nobody's nobody's pulling out their budgets and actually looking at them we we just sort of um under the shroud of secrecy just sort of say hey everybody um you know uh please be, be sure to give and specifically give to us that's the main message that any church has trained a man in regarding money is give to us it's the same thing as giving to god which is a very suspect statement and um, and that's all you need to do. Just you'll do fine. And there's no counseling on a career path. There's no counseling, you know, from the pulpit. If you just if you're just a faithful church guy, there's no counseling on investments. There's no counseling on being uh, living under your means. Those things just don't get said. And so I I feel like gosh, if we love if we love Christ followers and we want to serve men, then we we can talk specifically about these things and the bible has so much to say but those depths are not usually plumbed yeah we we characterize ourselves maybe a little bit uh aggressively as we're going to tell you all the things that the bible has to say about money that you won't learn from church or the only other bloggy podcasty source we knew about which was dave ramsey Um, and that's where a lot of people were getting a lot of really useful tips but we felt like there was that was useful up to a point, and then all the the drilling into the scriptures kind of stopped once you were debt free, living on a budget, giving generously. It was kind of like, oh, right. okay, what is that it? And we started experimenting in our own lives during that time. We were gathering groups of people and doing teachings about money. Uh, like you said, it was either church or community from believers that we're connected to. We were opening up our books to people who weren't exactly like us. That's something that I noticed really early on, is that if you were one of these weirdos who was going to talk about finances inside of your community, you were surely going to find people who were very close to your income bracket and things like that. And that would be who you shared with. And that was a period of fits and starts, even just learning how this would work. Because I remember sharing some things and going, I don't think that was a good idea. Um, So we learned some things, even outside of the writing part of the blog, just as we were experimenting with, how do you integrate money and faith and household into one theory of uh, financial life that, that... doesn't just look at kind of 
redacted sections of the Bible that looks at the whole story. Yeah. So the the blog was up and running, and I think that all we did was share, oh, hey, I wrote something. I mean, that's what I did. I'd write a post, and then I'd put that post, once you published it, I'd put that a link to that post on Facebook and go, if anybody cares about what I said about this subject, you can go find it. And then people started, I guess, sharing our blog. And then we found that people were searching for, say, Christian finance, and they would find us. And so our readership got well beyond our friends. And then we had comments for a while. And we always have had, you can email us. And I believe in short order, you had a couple of people that were asking you, well, is there a financial advisor or somebody you recommend that could help me walk walk this way with my money? Is that what happened? Yeah, we started getting requests for one-on-one help, and I was happy to meet with a lot of these well, you're people. You're very excited to talk to anybody. Um, it's something I had been doing for a long time, one-on-one. I guess I would call it coaching. There is a limit, though, to what can happen. So lots of things happen at once. There was... We expected 10 to 20 views when we posted a blog, and we were getting thousands of people. We also were getting these requests for, can you help me on an individualized basis? And I've talked about it before when more than once somebody showed up in Salt Lake and was either traveling through or came to Salt Lake just to have a conversation. And I realized, sitting across the table from a guy, wow, there is a much bigger demand for individualized help and counseling on the stuff that we've been talking about on Abraham's wallet um, than we are meeting with the blog. Um, So it was around that time that I said, I think it's time to jump from what I was doing and into full-time, let's make this into a thing. And we started brainstorming at that point. It still hadn't been decided, we're gonna be financial advisors. because I wasn't sure that was the right way to go. We said, should we do online courses? A lot of our listeners read what Jeremy Pryor's up to, and we saw what he was doing and thought that was really cool in the family teams uh, programs. Should we do that? Could we publish a workbook that they could do on their own? We met with our friend who's written a bunch of successful books and said, should we be authors? Um, And he said, knowing you guys, no, you should not. Mm -hmm. Uh, But... There was a lot of things on the table, and the more I drilled into it, I said the way to do this the right way and to actually be able to not just throw some advice at somebody, but to hold their hand and walk them through, uh, whether it's moving from unhealth to health or moving from health to let's actually let me take things off your plate so we can get there as fast as possible to all these things you're dreaming of. In any of those situations, I kept coming back to the way to do this right is to set up a registered investment advisory where we can actually take to-do items off someone's list as financial advisors um, and and help them through that process. Now, I was also terrified of that because everything I knew about financial planning was that it was a dirty, dirty business. Um, I had had run-ins with financial planners as I had been helping my 
parents and in-laws uh, manage their money and other friends who I'm like, you got sold some product here. The person that sold it to you made a ton of money and this sucks for you. I didn't want to do that. And I really, the Lord was just good. He sort of, I don't know how, but somebody I went to college with, I, I knew was kind of doing this and I, I called him and it was actually his wife that owned the business and she the is guys a, in New York. Yep. New York city financial planner. And I said, well, I know these people, Tony and Julie, uh, and they don't seem They're like not the crooks. type that's, that are going to be selling whole life insurance. So um, she ended up walking me through, hey, there is a way to do this. And there's a growing community of people doing this that are not interested in selling anything. And it's, um, it's a fee-only model where you get paid, you provide advice, you do the investing, but you're not... Uh, you're not selling something and getting paid more or less based on what the the client decides to go for. Right. So offerings. one thing I think that that kind of dawned on you in that re- research was that there is a there's a there's a movement that's a kind of new version of investment planning that looks more like the fact that well email is free and has been free for a long time but keeping your data online is free. There's a lot of services that are now free and that are appy. And so the the whole idea is we want to reduce the cost for people getting in the door, then they can, you know, it's like having a free game on your phone. And then there's all these like a la carte things you can pay for to sweeten the deal. And so there's now 30 and 40 year olds who are coming into the game who are thinking why why isn't why doesn't financial investing work that way why isn't it simpler and why isn't it more modern instead of this old version of this this scoundrel with a big mustache takes all your money and goes trust me we'll take we'll keep it behind the safe yeah and one thing that was interesting is when i first found out about this world of fee only fiduciary which means people are holding themselves out as they legally must do the things that are the best for you a lot of people listening probably don't realize it but that is not the the norm in financial planning Um, we got really excited about the step from I'm either just starting out or I've been at this family building game for a few months or a few years and I want to go from really unsure of things when it comes to money to really sure of things and on my way to multi-generational wealth. Um, And in order to do that, you have to find a model that allows you to work with somebody who doesn't have five grand to pay you up front for financial planning. Yeah. So back to the sort of uh, narrative of our story is that uh, you're getting these inquiries about getting specific advice and who do you know of any planners that can help me? And you had been thinking about that. And so at some point you just said on the nose, what, okay, I think we need to start a financial advisory firm. And my answer was no, I don't want to do that. There's a pattern emerging. Um, yes. <laughs> um, so let's put a pause there, and why don't you why don't you just tell us why don't you go ahead and we've we've hit around it before, but why don't you give us your financial CV? Let's let tell us your background. Yeah. So I went to Princeton, and 
out of that school, a ton of people go into finance. They come to campus when you're in your junior year and start recruiting. Hey, look at all the money you can make <laughs> if you come to New York City and become an investment banker or management consultant or finance consultant. And after I graduated, I was really interested in marrying this girl who had moved to Washington, D.C. to do med school. And the Lord just provided an opportunity. I was going to go work for one of these consulting firms in New York. And then she and I kind of realized this is a super serious deal. Um, And so I had a phone call from somebody that was in D.C. where she was that said, I'm about to leave my job at the International Monetary Fund, and I think you'd be good at it. Do you want me to make an introduction? And within three days, I had that job offer. I had said no thanks to the consulting firm, and that was kind of the start. So I worked at the IMF. I was teaching (laughs) budgeting, basically, uh, to central bankers from other countries, and I had spent time in South America, so I was teaching it in Spanish. It was really cool. Um, (laughs) So I did that for a while. Then I moved over to Freddie Mac. You may have heard that 2007 to 2009 was not the most uh, smooth sailing in the history of some of our mortgage companies in America. But that was another great experience. I got to manage money there. I got to uh, work on bond portfolios and actually explain how all these financial systems that were collapsing around us worked to institutional investors. So believe it or not, uh, you could be a fund manager managing billions of dollars and still need to call a 26-year-old to to get an explanation of what was happening in a particular company. So I got to do that, and I really kind of built this muscle. I like explaining uh, financial, complicated financial systems and problems to people. but I went on from there. We, we had, I had married this wonderful woman at this point, and she was moving along in her career and was going to get sent somewhere else to do her next round of training. So I got a job at a financial consulting firm that would allow me most likely to kind of move with wherever she ended up going. And that's what happened. I worked some cool jobs doing some consulting for the Army and just overseeing the finance side of projects that were happening uh, as a as a consultant. Um, so that was kind of my financial background. Mm-hmm. I moved to, to Utah, where I am now, and thought, I am ready for a little vacation from this finance thing. So I quit my fancy job, got a job answering the telephones at an outdoor gear retailer, and thought, I'll just ski for the winter, and then I'll go call Goldman Sachs or somebody and get another finance job. Uh, and the Lord had plans in that, too. Really briefly, I ended up working for a couple months in the call center, and the, the brass at this company said, you have a different background than most of our call center people. Would you like to help us go out and acquire some companies? So I had done some of that before, so I did finance at this this gear retailer, which I didn't think was even a possibility. And that led to more opportunities kind of in the tech and startup space. And that's what I was doing until we get to the moment that you and I said that I used the Mickey Mouse voice and said, let's start a blog. Yeah, I, and, and I think that's important to mention that not only do you have this kind of 30,000 foot view of, of money and the way that financial systems work, but you had that experience 
in, as you said, tech and startup companies to get a feel for what is a what is a um, modern uh, growing edge tech startup look like today? And to bring that kind of sensibility into a finance firm, I mean, I just I don't know anybody else that's done that. So it's exciting to think of again reinventing this old industry that's been uh, uh, questionable in its ethics um, and really been built so that um, an unethical people could profit from the way that system works. So, And I will say, I know a lot of highly ethical people. I do too. Who were operating in this system yes. and doing it ethically. Yeah. Um, however, I just, I always kind of say, it's like, if you went to the doctor, you could have the best, most caring doctor in the world. It would still bug me if in the back of my mind, I knew that they got paid differently based on the drugs that they prescribe me and they might be highly incentivized to give me a drug that paid them more but was still pretty good versus the one that was best that might pay them nothing um yep so i don't think we're here to say anybody that works at northwestern mutual is a shyster that's not what we think no um but it is a problematic relationship yes that's right so the um so the, the I said no. You said well. I the, I feel you said I just feel compelled. I think the time is right. I feel I'm hearing God's voice, and we got to start this thing. So give me some input. I'm going. And you did a huge pivot with your career. You quit your high paying job, started making zero dollars, and hung your shingle out. So you have to get to, you got to get a couple qualifications to do any sort of any sort of planning. And I think the first hurdle is a Series 65 license, which you thought, well, I'll take this test. And you studied for? Uh, about three weeks. About three weeks. Took your little Series 65 and thought, well, that, that was easy. Let's move on to the next thing. And you started studying for the next stuff and hung out a shingle, blah, blah, blah. And, and then what happened when you tried to tell your state administrator that I was going to be part of the business. Yeah, I said, my buddy and I have started a business. I've got the Series 65. I'm the financial planner. His gifting is in really helping people unearth their purpose and their goals. He's been doing this for a long time in a pastoral role. I've been managing tons of money in different jobs, so I'm ready to go there. And I... I did really well on the licensing exam. I remember on the phone, she was. I was like, I don't know how I did because they don't tell you the score. And yeah. she's like, Let me look it up. And she goes, oh, you, you did really well. Uh -huh. And so um, I thought, this is smooth sailing. We're going to get yeah. greenlit right away. And she goes, no, he can't be involved at all in this business unless he passes the same Series 65 exam. Oh, no. And I'm thinking, well, that was easy for me because I've been doing this for 15 years it's not going to be as easy for Stephen. he has not been doing this at all and we don't plan to ever have him working with a client saying here's what you should do when it comes to investments uh that's not that's not why he's involved yeah but they they wouldn't hear it yeah so so we we i'm saying we with quotes around it we started the business you you were the only one that was officially connected to it and you're the only one that we could ever talk 
talk about as being connected to the business. And we, I mean, just to be really clear, we obeyed the edict. Oh, we obeyed. To the letter. Yeah. You did not speak to a single person on behalf of, of Outpost Advisors from that day until maybe in the future when we're going to talk about what happened next. Yeah. I, um, I, I worked for about a year and a half when I first moved to Cincinnati it's funny because I was uh, I was knew that I was getting married. I wasn't married when I moved to Cincinnati, but I remember um, at at the exit off the highway that led to my future wife's house. There was a huge Northwestern Mutual building, and I saw that building and said, "Lord, I don't." know much about money but i'm a, i'm about to be leading a household would you start teaching me something about money and through totally unexpected connections i found myself as a mortgage broker for 18 months now that is not if you're a mortgage broker god bless you uh, i hope you do great but that is not complex math to to be a mortgage broker but it helped me understand something. It helped me understand the way that interest rates work and who controls interest rates and what getting attached to a long-term contract means. And I also got to see how, you know, regarding um, the financial institution, <clears throat> I got to see how there's, you can build hidden fees in, in the, you can cut that, you can cut that thing any way you want. You can stick in fees in, in um, points that you get to, to close the deal, you can stick in fees uh, by giving people not the lowest rate. You can go, you can look and say, well, we could give you three and a half percent today. Hey, guess what? Rates are at four percent today and people might be happy with that and sign. And you just made a ton of money because you just gave them not the lowest rate possible. And there's all these secret ways to stick in fees. And the person who's sitting there looking at an amortized uh, schedule doesn't even know what these lines mean, but you've just made up some phony lines and put in some phony fees and they go, well, that's just what it costs, et cetera, et cetera. You just, you, you just see the whole thing. Well, um, I did, I did well at being a mortgage broker just because of my people skills. And then, uh, I got, <laughs> I got to go, I don't care about this and move on to something else. Well, um, that I'm saying that to say that you, I just described pretty much the beginning and end of my financial education. Um, and so when Mark started the business and started working, um, he told me, you're going to have to get this freaking securities license. And I started studying. So dot, 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 trying to squeeze in study among my life. I was trying to start a ministry school at the time still working with my wife and our business and making uh, m making huge amounts of time uh, to study wasn't really top of mind for me. But dot, 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 here we are over a year later, and I got the freaking securities license. So um, anyways, I'm now part of the business publicly, and but I'm not the only one that we're, that we're now ready to bring on, right? That's right. So before we kind of talk about where we sit today, um, in the interim between when I decided to hang the shingle yep. and when just a few weeks ago we got the word that you were 
officially allowed to be a part of this, um, a lot did happen in the business. We sure. got to serve almost 50 people. Um, we, you know, are managing assets for folks. I was able to kind of go through and complete the test for the CFP, which is the highest really kind of certification in financial planning and thought I was real smart. And through that process, actually got a whole lot smarter on some of the nitty gritty uh, aspects of financial planning. That's cool. Um, so by all measures, you know, we, I went to a conference and sort of told people, well, here's where I'm at. I just started this business. And they said, this is way, uh, uh, you're on a very accelerated path based on the numbers you're sharing about your business. Right. It, it's really a business where people tend to starve for two to three years. Right. And then things start to go okay. Um, so I'm super thankful for the way the business has grown, even just me plugging away at it. But I couldn't be more excited about our vision for yes. what this thing could be. And that's really why we're talking about it today instead of six months ago is because you're involved. And maybe you could just really quickly say, we just said you're not a financial planner. What are you going to do? Here? Yeah. So I think what we've arrived at is that we've kind of got three. There's We've got this three step process that we've figured out for our clients, which is the first thing that we want to do is we want to unearth your vision. And and when I say your vision, we're going to be doing some writing about that in the year to come. Um, but not only what has God called you us all to do, but how do you do that? How do you express that in your gifts and your callings? And if you combine that with your wife's gifts and callings and the story of your family generations back, what has God called your family to do? And a lot of people have never put any thought toward that, but that's the first step for us is to ask that question, what has God called your family to do? Once we know that thing and we feel like, wow, that really resonates, you, you're telling a story of a, of a couple that... Um, you've been working with, and you in in a in a conversation with them, you used one word. Uh, you said, "I think you guys are called to be cultivators." You used that word, and it just lit them up, and suddenly they just understood. Wow, that that is what we're called to do, and they, you know, it's, it's resonated with them, and they were able to build build ideas around that, and then, wow, well, let's drive around that. So once we have that, what what's the thing you're called to do? Then we'll take the time to walk through what are your goals around that thing, the thing that you're called to do. What do you think that means? So I think I'm, I think my family is a leading disciple-making family. I think that's what my family's called to. It's who my wife and I are. We see that in our kids. We're we're going that way. And so when we when we sit down and dream, okay, what would be our goals? What would that look like if we were to drive that, to turn that up to 11? What would that look like? Well, let's articulate those things. Let's name them. And so helping people kind of do those soft, spiritual kind of that work, that's, that's, my, that's my sweet spot is, is just meeting with people, pulling those things out of them, encouraging them, maybe giving some gentle correction. You know, you've wasted a couple of years because you're not really pursuing that thing you said that God's called you to. How's that gone for you? It's been frustrating. Okay, well, let's stop doing that. And then once we have those goals down, then we can bring in, now let's bring in the technical money stuff and go, are we 
planning our lives resource-wise to to meet those goals? Are we planning our life in such a way that we're going to hit those things? Well, I can tell you from experience, when you start lining those things up and people start using their money to hit those things and they start clicking down the track and actually accomplishing those goals, it's like thrilling. It's like outrageously thrilling to people to go, you know what, we're doing the things that I feel called to do and we've organized our money so that we can hit those things. That's super exciting. So I, I hope that explains how you and I work together. It's and, and it doesn't mean that I have nothing to say with regards to people's finances and it doesn't mean that you have nothing to say regarding being a, a counselor for people or being pastoral. Because you and I, we we have some of those skills, you know. All we have some of all of those skills, but but for the for the most part, you're at the back, you're at the front of the of the fire truck running that uh, steering wheel, and I'm at the back of the fire truck. And so there's these two ends of this thing that we we really want to capture both of them, you know, technical excellence not bearing down on people with outrageous fees and but also doing it for really spiritual purposes that that serve God's will in their life. So I hope that hope that explains those two aspects. No, I think that's right. Um, and you said technical excellence. So I went out and I did everything I could to just bulk up on that piece, make sure that you know, I was as technically good at this job as any financial planner that you would run across and i also just throw in that something else you did in that interim was to go find partners and vendors who we trust you know that's a good in insurance company that seems like a good um um index fund with low fees i mean you've really researched which of those make the most sense for us to yeah be in cahoots with and and that's one of the, if you're not going to sell people everything and take commissions on it, then you have to find people you trust to, to take care of some of those needs. Yeah. So we did that. But um, that was really important to me is that we're not going to be like the the Christian financial planners that trade on Jesus stuff, but don't know how to execute yes. at the very highest level, no matter if you have 10 grand or $50 million. Totally agree. That sucks. And so <laughs> that kind of leads me to where we went next, which is, you know, people have started reaching out and I'm so thankful that a lot of those clients I worked with in the first nine months of the business started telling their friends this is a great person to work with in some cases telling their parents hey we've had these multi-generational talks you should talk to these guys because they're really helpful uh to us but you guys have way more than we do you've been at this a long time call them so our client base is starting to grow it is not you know so big that we were saying we can't handle it but you and i are both um I think when we started this, we, we weren't particularly interested in let's have a little, you know, boutique financial planning business where we serve 80 families. No, that's it. Um, we like the idea of growing things. Mm -hmm. And just through God's grace, we have people that started reaching out to us, not only to say, could you be my financial planner, but also to say, hey, I am a financial planner and I'm in this situation and 
what you guys are saying resonates with me. Is there ever a chance that we could team up? Yep. Um, and so one of the guys that did that, we had a conversation, I'd say seven months ago and it was great. I was like, this guy's awesome. He met with you personally in Cincinnati, uh, just when he was coming through town and, um, I talked with him. His name is Seth Spading. And we said, yeah, this is, this could be awesome. It's not the right time right now. And so that was the end of that. And just a, a couple months ago, um, Seth called back and long story short, it was the right time. And his background had been working at a larger, um, brokerage type firm, kind of one of these firms where, um, there was again, high integrity people doing planning kind of to the best of their ability, but there was also some things about the, just the setup like I described, that Seth was going, I'm not sure that I want to build the rest of my career in this system. And I also want to integrate my faith. I want to integrate my family into my business. I want to think very holistically about where I'm going to plant my flag and build a financial plan. And that old model didn't allow for that kind of flexibility. Yeah, and because a lot had happened since six months ago when we chatted the first time, we said, this is a great time to, to bring this guy on. Yeah. And so you guys are going to hear from Seth a couple times in the coming weeks just because we think if we have Jesus-loving money experts out there that we have access to, um, we would like to pull their expertise into this podcast and, and to our blog as well. Um, so you'll get to, to hear people both that we work with directly and that we just admire. Yeah. Um, but Seth's somebody that you're going to start hearing from. And that's why we're out here in Wisconsin today. Yeah. So, so the bottom line is Outpost Advisors now has offices in Utah, Wisconsin, and Ohio. We can do business anywhere in the country. Um, and in some cases outside the country oh yeah that's true um shout out to our israeli listeners our love you israel in the uk i I love getting those yes one one thing i want to do before we close is i i wanted to just describe for our listeners the the relationship with this blog and podcast with outpost and so we're we're taking the time today to kind of tell the story of where we are in our business life but you know what? I just want to say, if you're uh, an Abraham's Wallet fan and you couldn't give two hangs about Outpost Advisors and our little Mickey Mouse uh, investment advisory firm, that is okay. We, we're not going to beat you over the head with Outpost uh, advertising. This uh, Abraham's Wallet is not a front for, for Outpost Advisors um, advertising. Um, we're going to continue to give you the good stuff. We're going to continue to to do to do what we started this blog to do, which is just to share the things that we're seeing or have learned from the scriptures about how to lead a home and and run your money well. You probably are going to hear outpost uh, occasionally because those things bleed into our life and to our thoughts. Um, we might occasionally. I mean, I I know in the last couple of things that I have written. 
when we get into more technical stuff, we're going to say you should find someone who's a professional to help you with this. And there's a firm that we're aware of that we're probably going to recommend because we trust those guys. It's called Outpost Advisors. Um, but I just want to I just want to say we're taking the time to talk about our business today. And it's not all we're going to talk about in the future. And and uh, I just don't I just don't want people to, to worry that that we're going to use this as a, as an endless funnel of sucking people into us. We, we still want to use these forums to give to people. Yeah. That's one thing I've, as a planner has been so good about having Abraham's wallet as something I've worked on with you that is not a part of our business is that people will call me and I feel totally great about if somebody is in a position where I don't think the best thing for them is to pay a financial planner I say, I don't think you should hire us right now, but here's 10 articles that I've written or that Stephen has written that I think will speak exactly to the situation you're in. I always want that to be the case. Mm -hmm. So we will never make Abraham's wallet anything other than a free and uh, rich as we can make it resource for people who... Whether, whether they might someday hire a financial planner or whether they are not ever going to hire a financial planner for whatever reason, this podcast, our blog, it's always going to be something that you and I, I think, are pretty passionate about yeah. keeping up as a resource for people. Yep. And we're going to continue to, if people write into us and they want advice or they just want a conversation about their stuff, we're going to continue to do that, even if it doesn't lead to anything professional because that's right that's that's who we are i mean that's part of what god's made us to do and so we're, we're certainly not going to trade that in for the prospect of business success so we just experienced the good things that can happen Stephen, when somebody out there bumps into our content becomes aware that we also have a financial planning business and goes, hey, I'm working in financial planning, and what you guys are doing sounds really interesting to me. Could we team up? That was Seth. We are really thankful that, that he reached out. Do you have any thoughts on where we see that pattern developing in the future? Certainly. I mean, I can't speak to the pace right now because we just don't know, but I know where you and I envision this thing uh, being years from now, which is that we're uh, a, a nationwide company with offices in every state. And when I say offices, I mean representatives in every state who are financial advisors who we're all on the same team. We're linked arm in arm. We have the same uh, dedication to Jesus. We have the same dedication to the scriptures. We both, we all want to serve uh, families. And um, yeah, it's a, I say, I say it's a dream of ours. It's a conviction of mine that what's going to happen in in the years to come is that we're going to have people from the industry, whether they're new to the industry or they've been in the industry for 20 years, and who are going to come knocking on our door going, what you guys are doing lines up with what I have dreamed about using my skills to do for whatever reason I'm dissatisfied with what I have seen and I, and I want to be part of what you guys are doing. And so we're one of the one of the helpful things about um, having Seth is that we're trying to crack that nut of what is a win-win for bringing somebody on so they can be part of our 
our thing. We can all share resources and they can be building wealth for their family also. So, yeah, that's what we envision um, that that we will as we grow, we're going to have we're going to have people who want to come to us as clients that we can help. And we're going to have people who want to come to us to be on our team and to be staffed with us. That's and that's really exciting. Yeah, that gets me pretty jazzed up because I love I love the one-on-one financial advisory process and I also really enjoy team building yeah. and building a company and I think that's something I probably share with a lot of the guys who are listening to this is we have a lot of guys that are go-getters uh, that listen to our podcast yeah. and so uh, hopefully if that's you you can kind of feel what I feel when I think about the future so just wanted to share that piece of it. Great. And that's that's our story. That's our story. Thanks for listening to our Thanks for listening to Grandma's story hour of how we got to where we are in our little lives and our vision of going forward. Steven, if people heard this and they did want to find out more about this little business, where could they go? I would go to outpostadvisors.net. That's what I would do. All right. That's where you can find out more, guys. Until next week, I'm Mark Parrott for Abraham's Wallet. I'm Stephen Manuel. Thank you for your time.